just tie your shoes. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest thing to do every day is to get up and tie your shoes. People who fight depression and people who fight weight difficulties, people who fight everything. Welcome to the Run the Race podcast, chatting about fitness and faith. We all need motivation, whether it's to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. All right, everybody, we appreciate you joining us for this Run the Race podcast. This is episode number four. I really appreciate you uh, tuning in, listening, whether it be on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to these podcasts. And uh, definitely thankful that you are listening to me right now. And uh, good time because it is Thanksgiving time. Uh, Maybe you've already eaten a lot of food or about to. Uh, and, uh, you know, those leftovers are almost as good as uh, the turkey and fixings on the day of. Um, then maybe it's a time to, uh, in the next few days or weeks, head to the gym or on a walk to uh, burn off those thousands of calories that we enjoyed eating. Or uh, maybe while we sat and ate more desserts while we watched a football. And uh, a lot of folks also maybe going to see a movie with their friends and family after or before they go shopping on Black Friday. One movie I'm definitely looking forward to is uh, The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks uh, playing Mr. Rogers. And, um, you know, later in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about that movie uh, and uh, Mr. Rogers, how he was a man of faith. And maybe you didn't know that he was a minister. I'm going to also talk later on in this podcast episode about ways you can burn off some of those Thanksgiving calories. Now, our interview today is with a man who I had kind of a divine appointment with. I met him on a flight to Atlanta last month. Uh, He was talking to me about, you know, some of the races he's run, triathlons, and talked about losing 100 pounds um, years ago and how he actually had an incident um, earlier this year where he had no heartbeat for 15 minutes. Um, Some people say that's clinically dead, but uh, he obviously survived and talked to me this week. And he, um, they call him the miracle man at the hospital where he was. And so, of course, he is thankful to be alive. We're going to talk to him. A really, a, a, a really very interesting conversation about his new perspective on life. What are you thankful for? Think about that. Um, it, it's, it's a time of year to do that, but we should really kind of assess this um, every time of year. For me, it's my wife of almost 20 years. I'm thankful for her, super mom, a physical therapist. Uh, my smoking hot wife, and I'm also very thankful for my two kids. Uh, just love them so much. They're 15 years old, 16 years old, teenagers who still love us, uh, and they're definitely glad to be off school for Thanksgiving break. Um, I'm thankful for a great job. I've been a TV news anchor and reporter for the last 21 years, so I guess you you can uh, guesstimate that that uh, makes me in my early 40s. I'm thankful for my mom, my sister, my extended family, all my friends who really are are, uh, just great to be around, Uh, and thankful for a great church that gives me opportunity to serve others. And, um, you know, also thankful for my health. You know, this is a a podcast about fitness and faith. I'm thankful that I'm able to run and stay active, and we really shouldn't take that for granted. I had one friend 
that told another friend that, you know, don't get down about, you know, uh, not doing well this or this run or this workout or whatever, because just be thankful that you can go out there and do it because there's some that cannot. So that's something to, to definitely think about. Uh, but most importantly, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me and rising again on the third day. Paul you know, wrote to the church, uh, talked about in the Bible. Um, he, he said, uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, you might think, you know, really? You know, should I give thanks for everything? What about all that stuff that uh, is just messy in my life that that uh, gets me down or sicknesses or anything like that. Well, we shouldn't ignore those problems coming up for sure, but you got to really have the attitude, uh, uh, you know, that in all the situations that you're facing, that you're not alone. I mean, obviously you have the support of your family and friends, but you also have the Lord is your strength facing those challenges with you. And he lived on this earth 33 years and went through those trials and temptations and tribulations. So as we uh, go to the Thanksgiving table or as you, you know, experience time after Thanksgiving and as we head towards Christmas, as you sit around the table and, and talk to your family and friends about what you're thankful for, obviously we have all the blessings that are poured upon us with our job and the things that we have, our house and car and, and our, our family members, but also give thanks to the Lord that how he's continued to work in our lives and, and don't take that for granted. So now I'm uh, going to get to my interview with Steve Crooks, who, uh, again, uh, known as Miracle Man to some and uh, pretty much died earlier this year and uh, really had a new lease on life. So here's my talk with him. Our guest for podcast number four, Run the Race, is Steve Crooks from Canada. He lives now in um, southern Pennsylvania. He works as a vice president of sales, and he told me it's just an amazing story that I wanted him to tell our audience as well. Um, just to give you a kind of quick little recap, about 10 years ago, he lost a lot of weight, was almost 300 pounds. He'll tell you a little bit about that. Started exercising, has done now ultra marathon and, and triathlons, and, and he went without a heartbeat for 15 minutes earlier this year and joining now to the podcast steve crooks thanks so much for joining us steve no problem jason well first of all tell me about um take me back to i know that you have you're 41 and you have a history of being very active over the last decade so take me back to the story from earlier this year because i know it was a very scary thing that was just out of the blue especially for somebody so active as yourself sure so i was on a uh, business trip in January, I was up in uh, southern Michigan, and I had just got off the phone with one of the people here in the office, and I, I um, suffered what they call ventricular fibrillation, and basically what that is is your heart races to the point that it stops, and at that point, you are, to for, for all intent and purpose, you're dead. Um, my car that I was driving in a school zone, we I veered off the road fairly slowly. And uh, I guess a lady thought I was texting while I was driving, so she, she dutifully called the police who, who came and pulled me out of the vehicle. Um, they waited, or they, they performed CPR, I should say, for, for about 15 minutes while they were waiting for the EMS to show up. And that's when the, that's when the activity really started. But um, the, the heroes are those two gentlemen. There was two officers that, that came to the scene, and few, you weren't in Michigan at the time, but... It was about uh, 14 degrees out. And there was an ice storm on the way in. And uh, it's very easy to stand on the side of the road and just say, oh, looks like we lost another one. Um, 
and those two guys, you know, they did their duty that day. And just a shout out to all the first responders out there for, for doing what they do. Um, they, they saved my life. And, you know, we're, uh, this episode kind of coincides with Thanksgiving and so important to be thankful for what we have, our families, our jobs, and um, just being alive. So for you, you know, um, this is, you know, almost what, uh, nine or 10 months later, tell me about how you're feeling looking back on that just um, amazing incident. Sure. So the, interestingly, the hardest part of the recovery for me was, as you say, I'm fairly active and um, the CPR caused five broken ribs. Wow. Um, So when I was in the hospital, I woke up and although I don't recall waking up, um, the, the notes back from the nurses say that the first things I was asking about was why am I in so much pain? What happened to my truck and are my legs broken? Um, they kept saying, no, sir, you're not, you weren't in a bad car accident, but there was a board in front of me. If you've ever been into the uh, emergency room or the ICU, they always write down just a little bit of information about the patient on a whiteboard. And apparently that board, the only thing it said on it was car accident. Hmm. Um, so when I, when I woke up and, you know, if you, if you do run or if you exercise a lot, a fear that we live with every day is what happens if I can't do that? Um, we've come from different backgrounds and, you know, I used to have a very sedentary background and I know what happens to me if I don't exercise. I also know what happens to my, to my brain and I guess to the people around me, I'm probably pretty cranky if I'm not, if I'm not doing my stuff every day. So that was a big concern. Um, obviously I didn't know what had happened to me and it took me probably a few days to figure out uh, what life was going to look like. Um, after being told that you you were, we were dead for a little while and you'd been in a coma. So I was in a coma for two and a half days um, while they were waiting for my family to uh, to be able to arrive. And then I woke up. Now, did they tell your family or friends, like, come say your goodbyes? Or what, what was the kind of the, uh, what you heard about what happened? Yeah. So that was um, the message that, that was delivered to my wife. And then in turn, my wife to my family was, uh, you got to get out here as quickly as you can. We're, we're probably looking at last rites. And if he does wake up, we're not really sure what what you're going to get. You know, people who um, people who have lost uh, heart rate for that long, it can be very iffy as to whether or not uh, you come back from the neurological damage that, that can come from not having any blood to your brain. Wow. So, and I was being wheeled around the hospital. Everybody's looking at me, and you know, there's doctors coming over and giving you high fives. They're calling me the miracle man. I'm like, I don't know what happened, guys. You know. <laughs> just you're just here you know but um yeah it's about the mortality rate is some somewhere in the neighborhood of 95 percent wow uh, when you have ventricular fibrillation and it's generally because there's no first responders available uh to be able to to get you back out of that yeah you were saying the overall survival to one month was only 1.6 percent for patients with that non-shockable rhythm as they call it correct yep wow did it change your perspective on life or on faith or on family, anything like that in terms of, because this happened back in January, I believe, or, or uh, this year? It makes you appreciate every day. And just the small things that that you may not see um, when you've had that taken away from you and then been given the second opportunity to to live with those things, whether they be your, your family and your friends, um, the ability to go back to work. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was off work for a period of time. I wasn't able to drive for six months. Um, you know, not driving 
when when that's something that you're used to not having the freedom to go and get your hair cut uh, because you can't get there and relying on other people um, the biggest thing that I that I really learned was how far your touch goes how far a single human's touch goes how many people can be affected by such a, a dramatic incident um, we heard you know my name was being written down in prayer boxes 50 miles and 100 miles away in places that we've never been before. Uh, but somebody hears your story and your story can resonate with people. And, you know, fortunately for me, um, I'm living, I'm living proof. I'm, I'm the guy, uh, probably nobody else in the, in the race I was in on the weekend came through it with a defibrillator, but, uh, fortunately it didn't have to work. And to this point it hasn't had to work. And that's, that's the blessing of every day is we get to be here and we get to, we do get to just walk around and, and have your family there. The three boys and my wife are, you know, they're with me every day. And Absolutely. Well, I mean, your story definitely touched me when we just kind of by fate or, or not um, sitting next to each other on an airplane. I was flying back from the Marine Corps marathon. Um, you said race day is about being vulnerable and so is life. And I'm sure that's something that you, a lesson you've learned greatly over this past year. So tell me about what that means to you. So when we race, um, you get the opportunity to, to share your story afterwards with a lot of people. But before we do so, before we get out there and tow the line, you've already told people. You've told people, hey, I'm going to go out there and do this. They're watching you. Um, there's people on the sidelines. They're watching you. And you have choices during that, that period of however long it is. You know, my last race was almost 10 hours. You can quit. Or you can just keep going. And sometimes when you're in pain or when you're going through a challenge or something's affecting you that maybe other people can't see, um, sharing that and being vulnerable in your life is what's going to help you through. When you're in a race, your vulnerability may be walking a quarter of a mile just to the next light post. It may be mm -hmm. um, you're just continuing on and pushing yourself through on the bike or whatever it may be there there's a crowd of people who are going to cheer you on and that cheer that you get when you're going up the hill and that guy says you keep going you don't stop you don't stop you're going to keep going yeah and that's the difference between racing and life is in life when you're having a challenge you want to keep it internal everybody wants to keep it internal they want to share everything great on facebook <laughs> but when they're having a challenge they don't want to share that and racing is to me is the one place where you can meet a stranger and we met many strangers in many races. Mm -hmm. They will tell you anything on race day, <laughs> yeah. anything, you know, about their kids, you know, about their wife, you know, everything about that person. You left that race feeling like you've known that person for a long, many years. You get to be vulnerable. It's accepted. And it just teaches you that you can get there. Yeah. And the vulnerability, the pain, the suffering, it's okay. It's just part about getting to the end. Yep. And if you're willing to do it, if you've prepared for it, sometimes you haven't even prepared for it. And just the, get to the end. Yeah, and the the journey is such an important part of it, the most important part in, in a lot of our minds. And you're kind of taking us backwards a little bit. You're 41 years old now. And speaking of those races, you know, back when you were, I think – it was 2009, so you would have been about 30 or 31 years old. You right. were, um, you were, I guess, larger than you are now. Tell me about 
uh, you know, what made you want to lose yeah. weight and how you, how you did that? Cause a lot of people may, you know, kind of be in that same situation and we've got holidays coming up. Sure. And... Sure. So the funniest thing is I was actually doing a job interview and, um, we had our HR manager in there and we had, uh, uh, the woman who we're interviewing for an inside position, a sales position. And she was, our HR manager was talking about our great healthcare benefits. And we have a, um, there's a discount if you meet certain weight criteria, blood pressure criteria. Hmm. And I said to the, the woman who we were interviewing, I said, you know, this is a great program. It's so great. Even I qualify for it. And I said, I'm almost 300 pounds. And our HR manager looks at me. She says, Steve, you don't qualify. I said, what? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. How would I? I didn't know I didn't qualify. She said, I thought it was a little weird that I would qualify, but hey. So... That was the first moment that I said, oh, I don't even qualify for the for this healthcare discount. I wonder what else I don't qualify for. I wonder what other what other impacts this is having on my life. And we're we're on our way home from um, from Canada from visiting our family for Christmas. And we had just gone through Burger King drive through. And my usual was I'd get two Whoppers and fries and a Coke or I don't know, whatever it is I would drink. I was about to eat my second Whopper, and I said, I don't know that this is the right decision. And three days later, I went to the gym for the first time. I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I, I had a locker because we moved here, and it was part of my, my job. I get a uh, gym membership, so I had a locker at this gym. But I had never been there, and I didn't know how to find my locker. And at 5.30 in the morning on a Monday morning, if anybody's been to the gym at 5:30 in the morning on a Monday morning, <laughs> start looking around, and it's a it's a pretty strange place. Um, mm -hmm. So I got directed to my locker, and um, I went to the elliptical machine. I didn't know how that worked; I'd never seen one before. But you get on and you just start moving. I never did any of the diets. I never really did any crash diets or anything anything like that. I really just took everything that I did into some level of moderation. So if I wanted chicken wings, I would still eat chicken wings, but I would eat a dozen instead of two dozen, which mm. dozens a lot now. Now I'll eat four or five. Right, yeah. Um, but I would park farther away. You know, every parking lot I would go to, I would just park a little farther away, take a few more a few more steps. And that was a little bit before the step counters and things like that came to be. Um, but it was all all small changes. And then one day... I bought a pair of running shoes. My wife was a bit of a runner, and um, I went for a, a jog, I think maybe a quarter of a mile. I said, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, you survived that for a few minutes. Right? Right? The first jog is the hardest one, but we all, you know, some message that we give fairly often at work and in the athletic side here is just tie your shoes. Mm -hmm. you know, it's the hardest thing to do every day is to get up and tie your shoes, and people who fight depression and people who fight weight difficulties, people who fight everything. When you've been injured coming back from, from an injury, the hardest thing to do is tie your shoes and just get out there and do it. But then it's that hard every other day too. And you have to remember that once you've tied your shoes, you're probably going to do your job. Whether that was to go for a run, could be to hand out a job application, it could be anything. But once you've tied your shoes, you're likely going to go to work. That's a good way to and put it. It's... Um, you know, it's a good, easy, simple motto that we can remember every day. Uh, just, just tie your shoes. Yep, yep. 
And then you, uh, you were telling me about how you, a year later, half marathon, and then a year after that, your first marathon. And, and, and that's, a, I mean, it's a good little leap. So what made you want to do like a marathon? And then even now beyond that, because for some people that's like, wow, I can never imagine running 26.2 miles, much less driving is what you, we hear some of right. our friends say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was somewhat natural progression, I guess. When I started, um, started running, I met a couple of friends who run, um, they were, they were getting ready to do a marathon. I said, I could probably do that I've done a couple of half marathons and I never thought I would do another one. Um, for anybody who's finished their first marathon while you're running it, you're pretty sure that you're never going to do another one. Hmm. And uh, then it's a couple of days later and you say, well, that, that wasn't so bad. I could walk. I'm okay. But one day, um, talking to another friend, we decided that we'll do a, uh, we'll do a triathlon, um, see what swimming and biking feels like. And that's, that's held my, uh, that's held my interest here for the past couple of years. I've been able to get into a few um, Olympic distance triathlons. I did a 70.3 or a half Ironman distance this year in Lake Placid, New York. Um, and that took you, uh, it was uh, five to eight hours or? I was six hours. Six hours, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's six hours is um, it's sort of like the four-hour marathon, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, you're, you're moving along quite well. Um, but you're never going to be elite. You're really there to finish and have a good time. Uh, for me, I like to finish races so that I can continue training again on Tuesday. That's usually my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a, I don't often race to win. Um, I race for the camaraderie of it. I like being out there with the people and just hearing again. I like to hear their stories. I like to, you know, see. It's always surprising to people when you see the shapes, sizes, colors of people who finish. It's everybody in the world. Every demographic is is covered when you go to the finish line, and it's very surprising. And it's always encouraging to if you bring friends or family out to a race. And speaking of races, you just uh, completed, I think, well, just a few days ago, uh, as as we're uh, recording this interview, the JFK fifty miler. Tell me about that. Was that a good experience? Was that uh, difficult? Because from that sounds difficult for me, who's never run over twenty seven miles. <laughs> yes. It's difficult. Um, again, one of those things where at the finish line, I said, I'm never doing this again. Um, two days later, I'm sitting here saying, all right, mm-hmm. I might be able to do that again. Uh, this one particular, it's, it's branded as um, America's oldest and largest ultramarathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens to be in my back, sort of in my backyard um, in Boonesboro, Maryland is where they hold it. And um, it's a mix of uh, a very difficult uh, trail running, and then you have a, a full-distance marathon along a towpath, so a very flat, level surface, uh, followed up by about eight miles of, uh, they call it rolling hills, I call it uphill. Uh, it didn't seem to roll to me unless you could roll a ball uphill. <laughs> it, just, um, it just stayed. <laughs> it just was uphill, yeah. It was great, though. I mean, again, the you meet so many people when we're going through the Appalachian trail, you can, we start the race at six 30 in the morning and you're at the difficult parts in about, uh, miles six to 15. Every group that we ran with people were falling, you know, full Superman falls, Ooh. Uh, rolling over on the rocks. It was, it's a, it's a bloodbath. And then all of a sudden you're on this flat surface and everybody's spirits pick up again. You know, they're, they're free of the forest. 
And hmm. the forest is why everybody goes there because the challenge of the, uh, of the Appalachian trail. Um, but then once you get out of there and you get that little bit of space and some freedom and you start looking at people and see who's bleeding, um, who's bruised. It's just a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for 10 hours or, or 13 hours. <laughs> I think we finished, we finished just under 10 hours and, I uh, believe the race cutoff time is about 13 hours. Wow. So you, you put the fun in air quotes, right? People are like, fun? That's fun? You know? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't fun that day. That's the vulnerability. The vulnerability is when you have to you have to convince the person that you're with and say, look, I'm, I need to walk this. I need to walk the rest of this race. And they, they know where you feel. And yeah. Every person you see, the solace in it is they feel the same as you. Yeah. There's nobody there. Who, who doesn't feel that they're being challenged by what's happening around them. Uh, but we all chose to be there. You know, we all paid We all paid our money to be able to put this suffering on ourselves. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Fitness is such a physical and mental thing, especially when you do extreme challenges. So what would you tell people? I, I, you know, your journey has been over the course of the last decade of, of fitness and um, kind of starting you know, a transformation of yourself, you might say. So what would you tell people who were in your, maybe are in your position where they, maybe they're 50 or hundred pounds overweight or maybe 20 or whatever. And they, they want to go to the gym or they want to start running or they want to start swimming in terms of not knowing, because it's such a, an intimidating thing and a pride thing that you like, I don't know how to do this. What would you say to them? Just tie your shoes uh, to go for a run. You don't have to go for a run. You can go for a walk. You can run in business shoes. If, you're, if this is your first day, jog to go get your car. Yeah. It'll teach you a lesson. It'll teach you that you felt comfortable or you didn't feel comfortable. If you want to learn about biking, if you want to, and speaking of vulnerability, there's nothing more vulnerable than dressing up in biker clothes to go for a bike ride. <laughs> you, have, you are head to toe spandex. Um, and you look around and you look at people and you say, oh my goodness, look how fit they are. Look. You know, I don't, I don't look like them, but then you get on your bike and you talk and you have a good time and you end up going 15 miles and you say, wow, that wasn't so bad. Um, you know, you can do it no matter where you are. It's just a matter of setting your goal and tying your shoes. It, it, again, people have the same challenge trying to, trying to get up from, they've lost their job. We have children. Some days you get a curveball thrown at you with your kids. It could be their school. It could be anything. How do you help with homework? We have YouTube now. We yeah. never had YouTube. But now there's YouTube. And um, you want to learn something on it, you could go to YouTube, and it would probably tell you how to tie your shoes. Or listen to, um, or listen to a podcast, right? Or, or listen to a <laughs> podcast. But for real, there's so many different ways. And your motivation starts from within. Um, but the accountability of having a goal and then having a partner in that goal, whether that partner is your, your wife, it could be a partner from your work, it could be a partner from your church, it could be a partner from anywhere. There's somebody else out there, a random guy who you meet on a plane, who you start saying, hey, I'm doing this race, I'm, are you up for doing this race? And next thing you know, there's three or four of you, and you're all aiming towards the same goal together. Well, that makes it a lot more fun. Uh, but the accountability of it all, and that's where having a race is, if you have something, if there's a 5K in your town or, or a small bike race or you know, whether it be your first triathlon, put the goal up, write it on your board, put a, put a uh, note on your mirror in the morning, 
And that accountability goes a long way, specifically when it's a physical challenge, you know, weight loss, weight gain. It could be you're trying to improve your muscle strength. Um, accountability is a, a big driver for you. Absolutely, yeah. And one last question for you. I know, you know, taking back to like January this year without a heartbeat for 15 minutes after that wreck and, and many maybe thought you were going to die. You became the miracle man. And I remember you telling me that you, you know, um, uh, two weeks later, you got on a bike for 30 minutes and then a month after the accident, you're running again. So now you're kind of, I guess, are you fully recovered now or, or still kind of in the process of recovering mentally so and physically? Probably still recovering. Um, I have to take uh, some medications and they are specifically targeted to slow your body down. Um, that's okay. That's okay. It's probably not bad to, to have to slow down every once in a while. I used to think racing was always about going faster. Uh, maybe I didn't smell the roses quite enough. And maybe that could be said for the rest of life as well. Um, and I think that's, if I've learned something, it's that you don't have to go 110 miles an hour all the time. And sometimes... Sometimes you do have time to make time, even when you don't think you do. Um, and whether that time is for yourself to you know, make sure you get out there and get your run in or, or get to the gym, it can be time where you would have historically said, I can't make it to that parent-teacher interview because I'm too busy um, to visit somewhere with the kids or, or with your wife or meet your parents. You, know, you have the time, and, and being forced to slow down, part of recovery, I think, is uh, we are forced to slow down no matter what you're recovering from. And if you take that message with you, and you, you can live with it. Slowing down is not so bad. You don't have to be the first one across the line. Most of us will never be the first one across the line. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's okay. It's okay to be a middle of the packer or, or back of the packer, right? Yeah. For Whatever. Sure. Set your own goal. Live your own life. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, your wife and your three boys, Cooper, Carson, and, and Callum, ages 10, 12, and 15, are super thankful to have you around still and to be able to eat a big feast maybe for Thanksgiving coming up. And so uh, I'm sure they're, they're, they're happy to, to have uh, Steve Crooks around. Me too. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to meet on an airplane. I'm sure that was uh, maybe divine intervention, uh, us getting to sit there and kind of discuss our passion for fitness and life. And uh, so I yep. appreciate you talking with me today. Cheers, Jason. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. know how I love how he puts that uh, just tie your shoes I uh, just go out there and do it uh, get things started and you know motivation for people that are at any stage of being trying to be athletic or lose weight um, you know it's just just getting started and getting out the door going to the gym uh, going for a walk in your neighborhood uh, anything that you can do we can all make time for that and at all body shapes we can go out there and uh, just tie your shoes and go out there and do what you can to make yourself a better person physically, but also spiritually. So again, uh, you know, th this podcast, uh, like we said earlier, is, is on iTunes, Spotify, uh, really a lot of different places. Again, you can find more information out at WTVM.com slash podcast. And, uh, you know, one thing that really helps us out to keep this thing going is if you're on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, make sure to go on there. If you like the podcast, give it, you know, four or five stars. And write a review at the bottom. You go to the bottom of the episode page, and, and I, I've had about six or seven people review it so far, which is I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me that you've listened. You've taken the time to write you know, a sentence or two about it. 
I recently had a review. I want to read it from Caddy Vision. He says, it's great to have something motivating to listen to while on a weight loss journey. But what makes it better is that they're talking real topics and keeping God first. So I appreciate that, Caddy Vision. Thank you so much. And I'd love to give you guys a shout out if you put a review on iTunes and make sure that uh, you listen. Now, their last two segments of the show here, of course, as we always do, we do Food for Thought. And we also have a parting gift. So first, we're going to do some news tidbits that are kind of uh, somewhat Thanksgiving or thankful related, uh, starting with food for thought. Well, you know, maybe it's something that you watched growing up as a kid and reminisce about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You remember the song? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, won't you be? My neighbor, I was probably a little off tune, but you get the point there. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers was an icon on television. A lot of people remember us watching him. And there is a new film biopic uh, starring Tom Hanks just released in theaters. I call it A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I am really looking forward to that. And there was a new book released called Exactly As You Are, The Life and Faith of Mr. Rogers by author Shay Tuttle. Um, Talked to uh, Mr. Rogers and other people in the past and uh, asked in 1986 to describe himself. Mr. Fred Rogers said he was a husband and a father and a minister. He was ordained a Presbyterian minister back in 1963. And Rogers was a really religious person, extraordinarily thoughtful and intentional And uh, the author Tuttle writes, his faith was constantly present to him. Without using the overt language of faith on the air, Mr. Rogers relentlessly preached his gospel. You are loved just the way you are. And that show began as a 15-minute show for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation back in 1962. So look forward to seeing that movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Also looking forward to uh, running some races uh, in the next uh, few weeks, months, years, perhaps. And uh, one of the things that uh, this time of year, Thanksgiving, they have these kind of, you know, where you dress up for maybe a Christmas-themed, holiday-themed race. There's also things called turkey trots. Sometimes they happen on Thanksgiving morning or before or after, depending, maybe the weekend after uh, while you've maybe to burn off uh, some of those thousands of calories you've eaten. There's about a thousand of these kind of turkey trots across the country. There's one in Chicago. They're, they were expected to welcome 8,000 runners to Lincoln Park. Uh, and the, ra- the race raised more than $15,000 and 8,000 pounds of food to feed Chicagoans in need last year. There's also one in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So you can actually dress up like a pilgrim and go to that landing site of the Mayflower, the famous Plymouth Rock as well. In Buffalo, New York, there's the YMCA Turkey Trot of Buffalo, Niagara, known to be the oldest foot race. I've been going on since 1896, and they have 14,000 runners to go to that. They're all dressed in some creative uh, group attire. And then in Columbus, Georgia, where I am, Beat the Bird 5K just happened, and some folks dressed up as uh, as birds, as turkeys. They uh, were uh, not, I guess they didn't have to be pardoned, but they went out and ran and had a good time. So uh, um, congratulations to all those who have run those races. And uh, it's, it's fun to dress up a little bit and have a good time when you're out there burning a few calories and, and having fun with a race. Well, we close, obviously, with a parting gift for every one of these podcasts. And the one uh, appropriate for this time of year is from Psalm 107.1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. So giving thanks to the Lord for all He's done for us. And we're going to close now with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you do for us. We thank you for our family, 
our jobs, our health. We pray for safe travels for those that are going places and coming back for Thanksgiving. As we know, it's such a busy time with millions of Americans and people all over the world out on the roads and flying in the air. And just uh, protect them as they go. We uh, pray. We thank you for all the food that you're going to be providing us over the next few days. And uh, just thank you for the uh, opportunity to, to live in this country where we have freedom. And uh, thank you for everything that you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us for this Run the Race podcast. Again, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast to learn more about this and listen to past episodes. Again, this is the fourth episode, and we'd love for you to write a review on iTunes. You can also uh, post about it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you use social media. We'd love for you to share this, tell other people about it, to join us on this journey of fitness and faith. You can use the hashtag Run the Race podcast. Again, that's hashtag Run the Race podcast. We want you to continue this journey with us and be a part of it for uh, many uh, weeks, months, maybe years to come. Who knows, right? All right. Thanks so much and have a great Thanksgiving and uh, leading up to Christmas. Hopefully you didn't spend too much money on Black Friday. Good night, everybody.